I'm Joe Devine and welcome to Whiteboard Football Extra. A quick note before we get started with today's podcast. The series is now available to listen to on iTunes and SoundCloud as well as YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, a link to our iTunes page will be provided in the description. Jose Mourinho, one of the world's greatest football coaches and perhaps football management's foremost professional nuisance. Mourinho's barbs have pricked many peers throughout the years, and today I'm joined by Paul Ansorge to take a more in-depth look at the man and the character. I suppose the first question is, and this comes from a lot of commenters too, why did you decide to leave Pep Guardiola out of the video? That's an extremely valid question. Um, I think what happened was, because this season everything's been so quiet on the Pep front, there should have been a line in the video where I said, obviously, Pep Guardiola is like the biggest one of these, but it's been covered elsewhere, because that was my thinking um, in leaving him out. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of just an uh, an oversight not to mention that because the other thing is it's I wrote a companion piece for the website for you Maxit about how the Mourinho neither the Mourinho Wenger rivalry nor the Mourinho Guardiola rivalry has really uh, caught fire this season so it hasn't kind of been at the forefront of of what's been happening the, the Guardiola thing which I think is it's kind of an interesting subject and I, I suspect it's because. Both managers have been so occupied with their own issues. And Mourinho said right at the start of the season, I mean, I'm not in Spain, we just had each other to focus on, but here the focus has to be a lot wider, so you can't get drawn into those personal battles to the same extent. Although, I'm uh, not sure that's always stopped him in the past. But yeah, I think because because the two of them have been so occupied with other things, they haven't they haven't really had those fights. But obviously in their in their time in Spain that was that was uh, one of those there are, there are a number of other much smaller rivalries which didn't get mentioned either because if you start listing every single manager that Jose Mourinho has ever had a go at it does take a long time to get to the end of that list I, yeah i think you're right as well and i think you know we can think back to the recent manchester derby and that there didn't really seem to be any sparks there at all and i wonder if um if what you're saying about how perhaps the both teams are going under transitional periods this season I'm not sure you know obviously we can't be certain but I think both teams look that if I suppose they might strengthen in in the summer I think Manchester United might need a, a striker to replace Ibrahimovic and Man City certainly looking to strengthen those fullbacks I think another seat you know second season under their respective managers uh, they'll have a better grip of the tactics etc and perhaps they'll be looking to you know, challenge for the number one spot next year. Maybe then we'll see um, you know a little bit more focus on each other. I mean, this is this is the theory with both clubs, but it's very much just a theory at this point. I mean, it certainly could be the outcome, but equally the outcome is that either or both of them could continue to struggle, um, which I think would surprise a lot of people and certainly would be a big disappointment because having the two of them in the same city at the two biggest spending clubs in the division was one of the kind of really big exciting build up points to this season and that and that fight really hasn't blown up to what we we thought it would be but yeah i think i think if the two of them are going for it in in the in the championship like well, not the championship if they're both going for for the title then um then i think we'll we'll see that rivalry reignite we can see as well uh, from the examples used in, in the video that Mourinho 
has obviously clashed with peers on you know, numerous occasions. But how much of this, in you know, in recent years or in the latter stages of his of his career, we might say, might be described as you know the Mourinho brand? And can we concede that some of his actions are embellished or at least sensationalised by the media as part of that kind of shots fired culture? I mean, some of his actions are, you could say, were embellished or sensationalised by the media. But I think mostly he's just firing shots. I think I think that's that's just who he is, and I don't know if he's doing it to kind of maintain the Mourinho brand. I think he does. I think the origins of those fights are in a kind of um, are in his relationship with his own ego. Like that's that's how he fires himself up. That's how he kind of um, he. He kind of defines himself almost entirely in opposition to his surroundings, like the chip on his shoulder about the Barcelona job, uh, the way he basically came up with a, a kind of counter philosopher, a counter philosophy to to um, Guardiola's football. By which I mean, I don't mean like he came up with a philosophy, a philosophy. I don't mean he came up with a philosophy which countered it. What I mean is he came up with something which was kind of profoundly antithetical so Guardiola was all about having the ball Mourinho structured his team on the basis that the team who has the ball is most is most likely to make a mistake I mean that that's the kind of extreme example of what he does in the big games but I I think the shots fired stuff is it's it's part of who he fundamentally is and I think in some cases uh, it's born of actual personal enmity so um Wenger, the years of abuse that he's given Wenger, I think it's because he just doesn't like him and he doesn't really rate him. I, I suspect that's at the heart of it. I mean, it was interesting because him and Fergie kind of, they had a little bit in the mid-2000s, there was a little bit of kind of bubbling to the surface of a bit of tension when they were the two kind of big dogs in town, but they never kind of fully turned on each other in a way. Um, and and I think that's just because Mourinho didn't quite stay long enough. And then... Um, in his kind of later years, he just wanted the United job, I guess. And he wanted to kind of keep the PR clean on that front. Mourinho is famed for his barbed approach to certain managers, as, as we discussed in the video. And, that you know, that I know we're kind of disputing a little bit the, the Mourinho brand, but I'm going to stick with it for, for a moment, if you don't mind, Paul. Um, I wonder just how much uh, his, his character in that way affects his ability to coach, you know, whether it's a sort of positive thing for the team or a negative thing. You know, I wonder maybe specifically if, we discuss him in opposition there. You mentioned that Pep Guardiola uh, sets up an entire tactical system which revolves around keeping the ball. Mourinho seems to set one up, you know, almost to be in opposition to that. And I wonder if he works at his works at his best when there is an opposition to fight against, and perhaps whether that extends to the teams that he manages or encourages a level of camaraderie or something like that. I mean, it's a really interesting question that is, and and I think. When it works, it really works. The the kind of the history of Mourinho's career is littered with players who would metaphorically run through a wall for him. Um, Ibrahimovic wrote in his book that he, Mourinho became someone he'd be willing to die for um, because when when that siege mentality stuff is working. Um, it really does forge the group and it forges the identity of the group. I mean, he he'll always kind of try and make out that his group are hard done by or the media doesn't like them or whatever it might be um, or that these other managers get all this praise and he doesn't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And 
I think some of it is pantomime. Some of it is is genuinely designed to kind of elicit an effect. But I think some of it is probably there's a line, isn't there? It's like there's a there's a pantomime version of Mourinho where he's kind of almost playing to his own reputation, and then there's the real malice that comes out on him. There's the reason that he uses this as his kind of primary tactic when it comes to dealing with other rival managers is because it is kind of a reflection of his personality when you get really right down to it. In terms of his ability to coach, I think it definitely can forge the unit. Although, as we've seen at United this season, and we saw at Chelsea last season, what's happening and I don't quite know why this is happening, and, and it will be interesting to see how it plays out next season, whether he kind of gets a grip on this, is one of the reasons he hasn't fought other managers this season is because he's been fighting his own players. Um, so much public criticism of the players that he doesn't feel are, for whatever reason, in his camp or you know doing things the way he wants them to be done. Uh, and that's kind of odd because then you think, well, is that going to forge a siege mentality within the squad or is it just going to... Um, kind of make everyone feel like, oh, are we next, you know? That seems to have worked for the, for the most part, doesn't it? I think perhaps with the exception of Luke Shaw, with whom it's difficult to tell because of a lack of playing time and, and you know, injuries, specifically that recent one. But I, I'm thinking of, you know, Anthony Martial. I mean, he, there was a lot of criticism of him from Mourinho and then he uh, played played very well recently, didn't he? But um, but then he played very well almost all last season. Mkhitaryan's the other example that's cited as kind of having worked, but he was absolutely outstanding last season. So, you know, the, the, it's like, okay, well, they passed the weird Mourinho gauntlet and then come out the other side. But even then, like the Martial, the story isn't, the conclusion of that story isn't written by any stretch of the imagination. And Mkhitaryan, there's been times when I think if you look at his performances in the last two months, he's barely had a good game in the last two months. So I think the the notion that this is has worked in inverted commas is kind of is slightly questionable. Now, what's less questionable is that broadly over the course of his career, his fights with other managers have worked in his favour. I think you know the only thing he doesn't have going for him is longevity at any club. But he's been a success absolutely everywhere he's been. And a key part of that is the siege mentality. The one specific caveat, I think, which I don't I don't know what the answer to this is, but I think it's a really interesting discussion point. And that is, you know, you talked about his ability to coach. So not the kind of more broad stuff about the siege mentality, but would he be a better football manager if he hadn't defined himself so strongly in opposition to the kind of possession-hungry football, which, to clarify, that isn't his entire footballing philosophy. That's about his footballing philosophy in very big, uh, high-stakes games. That's when he he operates on that basis. Um, Would he have been better if he'd been a bit more varied in his approach to those big games? I don't know. It's hard to argue with his success rate. It's pretty amazing. But um, perhaps that that aspect of his personality has got in the way on occasion. And maybe that's one of the reasons also that he hasn't had that longevity at any club. Well, let's go back and talk about his character again. I mean, I found it interesting that you said, you know, you think there's an element of pantomime to some of his outbursts. But then, you know, also, I, I would agree with you. I think that sometimes you can spot genuine emotion and you can spot when an outburst might be real. What does the fact that he is willing to do that and some of the things he's willing to say, what does that reflect about his 
character, psychologically speaking? I mean, what kind of person do you think he is? Well, I don't know what kind of person he is. That, and that's the most important thing that I would say here. Like everything else that I say from now on, please bear that part in mind. This is very speculative based on kind of mostly carefully drip-fed information and, you know, the stuff that's publicly available information is carefully drip-fed and the odd moment of, of real spark. I think he's a very complex character. I think he's probably very warm and nice when he's in a good mood. I reckon he's probably absolutely horrendous when he's in a bad mood. I'm sure he said some... I say I'm sure. I would imagine... He said some pretty horrific things to players over the years. I think his approach uh, to injury is... um, Well, Raymond Verheyen would call him a dinosaur. And it seems... I I would suggest there's probably a kind of slightly toxic masculinity aspect to this. That, you know, you better be able to run through a wall. That's what real men do. You know, that kind of vibe. I think there's there's something of that, which I think... um, it's probably a mistake in 2017 um, because I mean one of the things Ferguson did was adapt to the culture of the players as they changed around him and doesn't doesn't really seem like Mourinho is prepared to do that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he's a complex character. I think he would be absolutely great fun to be around uh, if he was in a good mood. We see he's very funny. He's got a good dry sense of humour when he's off the cuff. When he kind of pre-writes his ad-libs, that's not so good because he then repeats them to make sure everyone's definitely heard them. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, he's he's funny and charming and all those kinds of things. But also, there's a definite dark side, isn't there? Well, let, let's talk about uh, one of the difficult instances with Mourinho then, specifically the Rafa Benitez feud, and in particular uh, Mourinho's comments regarding Rafa's wife, Montserrat. Mourinho said, I think the lady needs to occupy her time. If she takes care of her husband's diet, she will have less time to talk about me. Now, in the original draft of the script for this video, uh, you describe what you consider to be misogynistic tone and we slightly disagreed my original interpretation was that is that it was a, a sort of ham-fisted attempt to make a fat joke about Rafa Benitez which equally you know wouldn't really have been acceptable would have been a different level of uh, unacceptable um, but we have we talked about this off air and you've sort of won me round Paul so I wonder if um, you might like to take this opportunity to discuss why why you take the opinion that there's a there's a sort of tone of misogyny there and and how that might be informed by other situations as well you know what i said about Mourinho's dark side this is this is the kind of crossing the line comment that he's made the the, the kind of comment which which belies a, a genuine ugliness I, I i mean i think fundamentally i don't disagree that it's a ham-fisted attempt to make a joke uh, about rafa benitez but i think it belies a pretty ugly attitude if you break down um, you break down the the comment bit by bit. I think the lady needs to occupy her time. I mean, she's a lawyer, so presumably pretty busy. Um, if she takes care of her husband's diet, she will have less time to talk about me. She said one sentence about him. Um, and I think the takes care of her husband's diet is a pretty thinly veiled alternative to she should get in the kitchen um the i mean the legalities of the dr canero situation are such that we don't know fully um what informed his difficulties with dr canero um uh but i think you can draw some implications there's a, there's an excellent article on new maxit uh from 2015 um by alex kebble 
um, which kind of breaks down some of the, the more kind of questionable aspects of that whole affair. I, I wrote something about Mourinho and gender just before he took the job at United uh, for you, Maxit, back in May 2016. So you can read some, some of that if, if you want the kind of more detail. But basically, I took the line out of the video and I just wanted to address it here because I think almost if you leaving that out would be to give Mourinho too much of a pass about uh, a kind of genuine ugliness to the tone of what he was saying there. Okay, let's let's have a look at some user comments now. Uh, Nordic Pause says Mourinho has had access to some of the most expensively assembled squads in history, yet plays a 6-3-1 in big games. The commenter then goes on to describe uh, Mourinho as Tony Pulis with a bigger wallet. Um, I'm not really sure that's particularly fair. Uh, what do you think, Paul? Well, I mean, the, one of the things I would say about that is, like, actually, you know, Tony Pulis is really good at managing football teams. Mm-hmm. And, and he does work with the limitations of his teams to get results above what you would expect from the finances. So, ultimately, like, I know it, I know what the insult means. I know it means, like, oh, it's just a, this super functional coach. I have to say... Um, my there's there's a couple of very obvious counter arguments which have been made a lot first of all his uh, the team that's ever scored the most goals in a premier league season was one of his chelsea sides i'm pretty sure that's right if it wasn't if they're not first that they is would, right yeah um uh, they scored a record number of goals when he won la liga with real madrid now inter milan is is also we should we should point out that alex stewart um broke down the inter milan team under mourinho recently and it turned out that in both seasons that he was there Mourinho's teams uh, conceded both the fewest and scored the most. Right, that's a great example. And then, really, ultimately, I mean, I know you could say, like, at Liverpool this season, he played a 6-3-1, and that's not wrong. When United didn't have the ball, it was kind of a 6-3-1. But they really did go for it on the counter-attack in that game. The bus was, like, half-parked. And then, in the recent game against City, I just think you can't really count that as part of Mourinho's tactical oeuvre, really, because of the the decimation of injuries in that squad. There was a reason they played like that. And there were some also some terrible individual performances which stopped any of the counter-attacking that would have taken the pressure off that would have enabled United to stretch their formation out a bit more. But I think, really, this idea of him as Tony Pulis with a bigger wallet is fundamentally defined by the 2010 Champions League semi-final. And the thing about that is everyone only remembers the second leg. The second leg was the backs-to-the-wall performance when they just completely were not interested in having possession of the football at all. It was They were entirely there to spoil Barcelona. But they had a 3-1 lead and were up against probably the best club side in football history. A a side that blew a brilliant Man United side out of the water in 2009 and a much less brilliant United side out of the water in 2011. And having watched him at United this season... I've kind of been really pleasantly surprised because as, as a United fan, I was I was worried like everyone about the, this aspect of Mourinho's reputation. But, you know, there's been a lot of games against any of the lesser teams. United have been a ton of fun to watch when you're not kind of tearing your hair out about them missing chances. Minato D. Roger says he speaks his mind and it comes across as tactless and spiteful. I suppose we could relate that to the conversation that we've just had, Paul, in that Perhaps when someone speaks their mind and it comes across as tactless and spiteful, it may in fact, whether accidentally or not, simply be tactless and spiteful. 
Yeah, I think I think some of the things he said about Arsene Wenger over the years have crossed over into that territory. But then some of them have been kind of quite funny and not and and a bit more measured. You know, when he called him the king, that was, that was kind of a little bit spiteful. And he was saying like all football managers have to win trophies and win games and stuff, except for one, of course. If you're the king, that's fine. Um, and yeah, and but you know, when he called him a specialist in favor in failure, that's a brutally spiteful thing to say about a fellow. Professional who, you know, like he's not—he's not trying to take food out of your mouth, Jose. You know, I, a specialist I, in favour would have been a, a, a wonderful compliment. <laughs> yes, he, oh, you're a specialist in doing favours and just generally being in favour. No, I mean, I, I think you can't argue that Mourinho sometimes comes across as tactless and spiteful, and I think it's because sometimes he's tactless and spiteful, but not always. And you know, lots of kind of sports great characters over the years have been. Uh, really complex characters with a with a significant dark side. I mean, Alex Ferguson has a long, complex litany of of these you know, slightly different, but you know, lots. Of, he's done a lot of stuff over the years, basically. Paul, thanks very much. Thanks, Joe. <laughs>